0: anyone has a prayer concern that they would like to share with the congregation that would also be shared with the prayer group that prays on Tuesdays, you'll raise your hand and an usher will bring you a card. If you will please, uh, I'd like you to print uh, what you write. It's much easier to read uh, when you print. If you can print legibly, uh, they'll get your card. Um, The good news for the week is that our district superintendent has a vision of gathering the churches rather than as an entire district 60, 70 churches a week or a month together. He's going to put us in what's called mission groups that are based on geography. And so um, I'm going to take a member of our mission team once a month and meet with other United Methodist churches in our area to dream up ideas of how we can collaborate on missions Uh, For the community, I think that's going to be a tremendous deal uh, that will help us. um, And we we say United Methodist, right? Sometimes we can be a little independent. And sometimes we can be doing the same thing or be pulling against each other in our different ministries. And so uh, our United Methodist churches are going to be communicating about how we can help in Greer. Um, Worship plans. Kids are going to be singing uh, next week at 11 a.m. Our children will be singing so if you are a 9 a.m.er and like to see the children sing I invite you to uh, make it a double header that day come to worship and then go to um, traditional worship and see the kids sing. They'll be in here um, for the children's Sabbath on January 31st. We typically have this children's Sabbath in the fall um, but I invited us to do it at the end of January and we're going to focus entirely on children and everything we're doing in worship in January. Um, faith development. Paige has established a youth team made up of juniors and seniors in the program. Um, if you have a junior or senior in the program, make sure that they're aware of that and that they're going to help her think about ideas to, uh, to make the youth group uh, as best it can possibly be. Um, the youth are going uh, to a movie today. You want to check with Paige at the end of the service to make sure absolutely right that, she, that I have it right. Um, you're leaving early. You're going to a 4 o'clock movie, and you won't have regular Sunday programming. Uh, Another item for faith development, I'm going to call Bob McQuaid up to talk about our Sunday night uh, class. Good morning. I want to invite you tonight at 6 o'clock as we continue our study entitled Being Christian in a Post-Christian Culture. It's a timely, important, and relevant study. And I invite you to come. This is the third session. I know some of you have missed the first two because of the holiday and all that. Don't worry, you come tonight, you can catch up quickly. And it is in the social hall. We've had about, well, according to clergy count, 45 people. But actually, <laughs> right. it's 30. And we'd love to have you come at 6 o'clock tonight. The thing I love about our retired ministers in the congregation is they're like the super friends. They all have different uh, superpowers. Uh, Bob loves to teach. George loves strategy. John loves to visit. Dennis loves to listen. Dennis doesn't say much, um, but he certainly listens and is paying attention. Um, Mission, I want you to look at your bulletin. Um, In your bulletin, there are two things. One is the Epworth Children's Home uh, flyer we give to Epworth Children's Home. It's a uh, group in Columbia that for decades has been um, helping children who who don't have a solid home. Life. They come to Epworth and they're given an opportunity to have a solid life and get to school and get an education and get back up on their feet. Um, Another thing I want you to notice on the back of your bulletin is a blank space. You see that blank space? I'm going to encourage children to draw something that they love about church in that blank space and we're going to feature your children's drawings in the bulletin each week. Uh, so that it uh, uh be just one more neat thing uh, to inspire us during worship. So I believe that's it. That's got to be it. That's got to be enough. Uh, let's turn our hearts to the Lord.
1: Will you stand and sing with us?
2: Titans we cannot contain your love will surely compound us like blazing wildfire, singing your name. We got a mercy. Sweet love of mine, I have surrendered to your design. May this offering stretch across the skies. These i uh-huh. Your love is like radiant diamonds Bursting inside us We cannot contain Your love will surely confide us Like blazing wildfires your name, we got a May this offering stretch across the skies These hallelujahs be multiplied These hallelujahs be
3: multiplied
1: Let's pray. Gracious God, we are so blessed that your grace is sufficient for each of us and that your love is so full and so complete that we can barely even wrap our minds around it. Help us to love others the way that you have taught us to love. Help us to extend your love and grace to those around us. Help us to be your hands and feet. Open our hearts and our minds now as we prepare to worship you together. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen.
2: I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted,
3: you were condemned And I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me Because you died and rose again
2: I'm forgiven, because you were forsaken I'm accepted, you were condemned I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me Because you died and rose again Amazing love, how can it be That you, my King, would die for me Amazing love, oh, it's true joy to honor you in all I do I
3: honor you I'm forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned I'm a loving well.
1: and rose
2: again Amazing love How can it be That you, my King, will die for me Amazing love I know it's true It's my joy
3: to honor And all I do, I honor you, you are my
2: King, you are my King, Jesus, you are my King, Jesus, you
1: are we invite the children to come forward for the children's sermon and would you turn and greet your neighbor.
4: Good morning. Everybody's still talking. How is everybody? Good. This morning we're going to talk about fans and followers. Are you a fan of anything? Are you in a fan club or do you like a team? Yeah? Well, right now it's football season, so do you see a lot of things like this? Yeah? People display these maybe on their house or their car or in different ways to show what team they're a fan of, right? Yeah? Well, if you're a fan of a particular thing, you want people to know that usually, right? As long as they're doing what? As long as that team is winning? Yeah? What happens if they don't win? They don't get a trophy, well, that could be true. And do we sometimes want to take our flags down if they're not doing good? Yeah, sometimes it's hard to be a fan of a team if they're not doing good. So if a sports team wins a lot of games, they probably have a lot of fans. And if they're not doing so good, you might see their fans kind of dwindle away. But when Jesus was on earth, he had a lot of fans. And as he traveled around and performed miracles like feeding a lot of people with a tiny bit of food or healing a person who was blind, there were huge crowds of fans everywhere he went and did those things. But you know what? Jesus didn't care about that. He wasn't interested in having fans. He wanted followers. He said to people, if you want to be my follower, You must turn from your ways, your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you give up your life for my sake, I will save you. So to be a follower of Jesus meant a lot more than just being a member of his fan club. It means more than wearing a certain t-shirt or bracelet or a cross around your neck. It means following what he says and listening to his teachings every day. It means reaching out to the poor and feeding the hungry and loving people who are unlovable. It means to show the love of Jesus that he showed to us, to everyone we meet, no matter what. So that's what separates a fan from a follower. So do we want to be fans or do we want to be followers? Yes. Will you pray with me this morning? Dear Father, help us to be more than fans. Help us to be true believers and followers of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.
0: As we go to God in prayer, we're going to consider Carol Phillips and David McClure, Ron Greenlee Greenlee, who's dealing with back pain, and Angie Summers in her fight with breast cancer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are so willing to listen. You understand so much and you share so much with us through the scripture, through the songs, through the friends around us proclaiming your name. Help us Lord to pray boldly to you in our anxiety, in our joy, in our anger, in our bitterness. Just as the authors of the psalms express themselves fully, help us to express ourselves fully in prayer, knowing full well that you are listening. Help us also, Lord, to be those listening ears to others throughout this week in between our worship services so that others others will know that you are listening fully. Inspire us this morning, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So we're in the second week of a book that we're reading, a new book that's in the back in the box. Um, If you have ordered your book, make sure you get there uh, and get your book, pick it up. Um, If you need us to order you a book, please let us know. You can write your name on the back of the um, register sheet, so we'll get you one. And today we're talking about radical hospitality. If I gave you all a minute to think about a time when you walked into business recently when you felt like they wanted your business pretty badly, and a time when you've walked into business and you thought, well, they could do without me today. They're not really passionate about me being here today. Sometimes you get that shift in passion because it's a corporate mindset. Sometimes you get that shift in passion because it's the person's business. It means everything in the world to them because it's their business. Or the opposite of that, it's not their business, so they don't have the passion. She'll tell stories for days on either end, whether somebody was truly helpful to you or whether someone truly ignored you. So we're going to look at hospitality today and see how that applies to churches and particularly to us. Throw y'all a curveball today and we'll read the whole text all at once. You're going to have to hang in there. Matthew 9, 35-38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field." A lot of information packed in there. Let me give you three questions that the book asked five practices of fruitful congregations. Number one, why do people need Christ? Well, we can reference what he just said. There's five things in what he just said. Number one, pursuing. Jesus pursued people in the same way that God pursued people prior to him, in the same way that the disciples pursued people after him, the same way we should be pursuing people now. Why? Because human beings can get scared and they run. And when they run, they're not coming back. People can get bogged down and get stuck. And when they get stuck, they're not getting out of it. People can be lost, and they don't know how to get back home. We've got to go find them. Think about that. Think about the loved ones in your life, the coworkers in your life, the animals in your life that you love dearly at times when they've gone too far, and they're not going to be able to make their way back. Or you have a loved one who's um, said or done too much or not said or not done enough. They feel the weight of the burden and they're not coming back. It's times in churches when there was a relationship, and it was deep, and then there was something hard, and then the pain of that hard uh, event causes people not to come back. They just don't want to do it. And so Jesus in that text was going to people. He wasn't sitting back and having them approach him. If you watch... Um, any of the ancient shows about uh, emperors or uh, kings or uh, what they called in Egypt, pharaohs. Um, Imagine, you know, biggest chair you've ever seen, the fanciest chair you've ever seen, a guard here, a guard there, a guard here, a guard there, a guard out at the door, and a guard out at the road. And you may be lucky enough to get past the first one in order to come and plead your case to the king, to the pharaoh, to whomever, and they may have a real limited amount of time and even less concern over what you're saying. This is the opposite. Jesus is going to those people, reaching out to those people. second thing he's doing is teaching. Because people don't know the entire story. And they don't know the entire point. They know what they've been told by someone who knew a little bit. (laughs) Think if you were only given one chapter of Matthew, and that's all you could ever know about the Bible and about God. You would have a really big difference as to which chapter you had, and even that wouldn't be uh, great. So Jesus is constantly teaching them. He's saying, look, I know that you're making your judgment based on this much information, but do you know that there's this much information plus more? He's teaching them. He wants to make sure that they understand. He's proclaiming the good news and going to them and saying your town matters. Because people can certainly get the impression that the family that they're in, the house that they're in, the neighborhood that they're in, the town that they're in does not matter in the slightest. And people will let them know that. Especially if they travel out of that area. Jesus goes to them and proclaims the good news to them, to let them know that they, sh- they, uh, they can be inspired by him. Finally, or uh, fourth, healing. Now, the number one headline that you get with healing is which type of healing? Physical. That's the number one thing people want to be healed of. Especially when you have a very serious illness, you would love to be healed physically. And technology is just exploding. Doctors are magnificent. Nurses know everything they can know. And let's just get more and more and more and more and more. And more things can be healed. But there are other types. And Jesus sought out those other types of healing as well. Not just that he did heal people physically. But he healed people emotionally. He healed people relationally. You know, whatever it is, I've been in a room before praying for the individual who was quite ill, who was not likely to be healed physically. But there were people on either side of the room that had not spoken to each other for 10 years. And there's a relationship to be healed. There are emotions to be healed. Spiritually, if you've been told by someone that you do not matter in God's name, let me know what you think about God for the rest of your life. That's tough. Jesus heals them spiritually. Finally five and five I, this is might be the toughest one. He has compassion. He has compassion when he's overwhelmed by the people and he's already been working the entire day. See there's reasons why we don't have compassion. Generally speaking it's not because we don't have a good heart. I doubt there's any one of us that would see something difficult in someone's life who would just go, who cares? But what you do have is the problem seems too big. I I don't know if I can do anything about it. You've already solved problems for the last 12 hours. You're too tired. You don't think that you have what it takes to offer them that thing. But Jesus offers them Compassion. So why do people need Jesus? Well, if you look at just that paragraph, you have pursuing, teaching, proclaiming, healing, compassion. See, sometimes we motivate people when we say they need Jesus so that in the afterlife they won't suffer. We not want to go to heaven. But think about all those things that are on the earth this second, right now, that Jesus did for those people. Here's a second question from the book. Why do people need the church? Why 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 don't I just focus on Jesus myself? Is there an app for that? What if I just get a Jesus app, learn about what Jesus did? I don't need these people. People are insane. Why would I collaborate with these people? Why would I go to this thing? Why not be able to do it anytime I want? Why do people need the church, any church? I'm hoping there are at least four reasons. One is community support. You just get brokenhearted, but you come to church and you got your friends, you got uh, your loved ones and merciful here at Memorial, you got your relatives, your relatives are here at Memorial, right? And they're here to support you most of the time, right? You're in your small groups in whatever, by age or by day or by study time or um, study subject. Community, a genuine community community that's here for each other, Two corporate worship and small group development. When we worship together and we say together, last week in the communion liturgy we say, we have fallen short of the glory of God. We haven't reached out enough. We haven't tried hard enough. If you say to yourself, it's hard for you to say, I haven't done anything. I haven't done it the best that I could do because you either pile on yourself and you figure you're the only one or if you're only thinking about you, you think you don't have a pretty good job. But if you're in this community, and we all say together, all of us, we've all fallen short, but we're all going to get back up. We're all going to pursue it again. When we had that faith development um, in groups, getting a different perspective from another person, which sometimes can be frightening. Sometimes you think, did that person really just say that? What does that mean? How could that be? But it stretches us. Think about what we've done in this service, all forms of prayer. When you pray together, you're trying to get the same mindset. What can we do when we pray together? What are we capable of? And finally, uh, so y'all are doing, y'all have done a number of projects around this place and there I hear there are more projects to come. Collaboration. Do you, do you know who set out the speakers? Do you know who set out the table? Do you know who pulled out the soundboard? Do you know who put out the, ta- the chairs? Do you know who got the donuts? Do you know who got the coffee? Do you know who paid the bills to make sure the lights come on? Most of them we're getting the new bulbs. Do you know who's going to order new bulbs? All that stuff you just figure, well, it just happens. But we're all pulling the rope together. Project collaboration and recreation getting together. These are the reasons why we need the church. Here's the thing. It's the final question he asks in the book, why do people need your church in particular? Now, I want you to think about that. Why do people need Memorial United Methodist as opposed to you, you ever, uh, I can't believe I was just about to say, you ever look in the yellow, the yellow pages? I have not looked in the yellow pages in probably 12 years. I guess it's just, a, it's just an old reference burning in my brain. You ever, all right, go to, go to um, Google. Type in church29650 and see how many you get. Why do people need memorial when all these other churches are here? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. It's a question we always need to be thinking about in our committees. What would happen if memorial didn't exist? with the community notice? So I'm not saying this quote about our church. Um, this This author said, Church at its worst, any particular church at its worst, is saying this. Church members love each other so much that their lives are so intertwined and their interests so interwoven that church groups become impenetrable to new people. Closeness closes out new people who feel like outsiders looking in, and those on the inside don't even notice. Church members feel content because their own needs are being met. So I've seen a lot of different things. I've seen a um, little country church, looks like Tombstone. It's got about 35 people on a Sunday morning. I've seen um, a church this size physically, with about 500 people on Sunday. I've seen a church in an elementary school with 100 people. I've seen a historic downtown church with 1,000 people. And now I've seen this. And there's no formula to say, well, this church is the one that's focusing on people and that church isn't really. Every single church has a natural tendency to stare at their own belly button. And think what you can accomplish when you're doing that. What are you capable of when you are staring at your own belly button? You figure the things that you have and the things that you need are the number one priorities. And if members are content, then you think to yourself, well, I don't know what else we need to do. And I've seen, we've talked about this, I've seen every number of worship attendants be uh, a a number that makes people content. They say, well, I don't know why we need any more than 35 people. If we get more than 35 people, I won't know anybody. I don't know why we need more than 1,000 people. If we have more than 1,000 people, we're not going to know anybody. That's, no, that's pretty much the number one phrase. I don't know why we need more than 250 people. We don't if we have 250 people, we're not going to know anybody. I don't know why we need different types of services or different times of services. If we had that, we're not going to know anybody. Right? You're the number one sense is, "Is this thing that I'm going to making me happy when I come? And this author is challenging that big time. Big time. So the good news is these people in this paragraph have found a place. The bad news is it cuts down on their motivation to do anything else. Let me tell you about two different restaurants. Um, One restaurant I went to had uh, not a seat in it. Not one. And cars wrapped around it and people standing in line, and the workers were ragged. They had nothing left. You could tell it. And uh, I've been a server before, and I've worked in merchandise before, and I've done all types of, and obviously this, this job, and I'll tell you, my family will tell you, I'm a nightmare walking into a store. I'm like, no, let's not even bother anybody. I'm sure they're exhausted. Let's just, get, let's just go out. So we go in that place, and those people say, welcome to place. I'm just going to leave them out because you'll make judgments. They say, welcome to this place. We're glad that you're here. What do you want? You walk in that place and your first thought is, there's not room for me here. I don't know they want me here. And then they say that to you. I walked in another restaurant within the last two weeks. There was three workers. There were three workers and there was one customer. I was the customer. One. And when I walked in the door, the person at the counter said, "Jeannie, you've got this one." Not kidding. And she, and she just kind of stormed out. I'm done. I'm, uh, I'm not doing it. And Jeannie was taking a bite out of her sandwich, and she went <laughs> and took a bite. I'm not even sure why I stayed there, honestly. Normally, in that moment, I would just bailed out. I guess I wanted what I wanted badly. <laughs> And I was willing to put up with whatever it was. Jeannie came over and Jeannie said, what would you like? And I told her. And she said, and she went over to the person. and She said, do we have this? And then she came back. And then this person, the person that yelled at Jeannie, came back over and said, I'm not doing the forks again. You can do the forks when you're done. And I'm thinking, I'm the only person in here. Like, how are y'all taxed to your limit? How are y'all exhausted? And this person said, there hadn't even been anyone here today. Now, I'll tell you what, um, I've been a server and I've been in the restaurant and I've earned no money because very few people came in and I had to stand around in the uniform and I hated it. So that I get but why you wouldn't be clamoring to get the person if you were obsessed with getting someone. And she stood right in front of me and really angrily did the forks. And then I walked out. When I walked out, there was um, another worker, I guess who was taking a break, who opened the door and said, have a great day, sir, as I was leaving. Okay, so how desperately did those people want my business? Um, a zero out of a hundred. How desperate would they want my business if their business was, if they were tied up in the finances of the business? Big time. So what is a what is church capable of when you come into church that's similar to that? Well, when a visitor walks in, and you just you know your friends with your you want to see your friends. This is when you see them. A visitor walks in, you go, "Hey, what's up?" Good signal. Or I don't know if that person oh, they've been here for twenty five years, or this is the first Sunday. You freak out. You don't speak to them. Uh, I'm paid to speak to people, but I'm actually an introvert. I'm frighteningly awkward when I speak to people. Any number of reasons why we would not say to someone we're glad that you are what? We're glad that you're here. Do you need anything? It matters to us that you have come. We're not prone to do that if we're not just obsessed about it, thinking about it. So what's the first thing people will see when they're looking at your church? This is what the author says. Facilities speak a message to people about what your church members think of themselves, how importantly they take their mission how confidently they see the future of their church. Our buildings tell the world what our church thinks about children, senior citizens, persons with disabilities, and visitors. So what's the first thing people normally see? Seriously. Outside, that's a good guess. But it's further than that. Website. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say website, if he called on me. First thing they see is your website. Let me tell you the good news about our website. These guys that put that, pour the effort into recording that both services and giving you the option for both services, let people know that we expect you to look. The CEP having all their information correct when someone is looking to see if they want to join the CEP, that's a big deal. Lori's working on making that a big deal. Um, Jeff's working on a video where I welcome people to the website by them looking at it. They look at it and they click on a video and we explain everything about the website and everything about the church. The well, second thing they see, the campus. Here's the good news, the campus looks pretty good. It really does. The campus looks beautiful. Next thing they see is the front door. Let me tell you something else, you're already doing really well. Y'all always have greeters at the door before I ever asked you to do that. That's a big deal. Are the greeters the only one that greet people in our church? Mm -mm. It's the easiest place to do it because they're naturally walking past you. I want you to be thinking, what can I do to greet people when they're coming in our church? The last thing they see is looks from the congregation. Let's say you have a baby. Let's say that baby loses its mind. Let's say you look over your shoulder like, (laughs) <laughs> Are you the worst parent in history? Right? Will that person come back? No. Oh, no. I say you lean up to them when that baby's losing its mind and you say, I've been a parent too. I can, if, if you need any help, if you want, if you want me to go get anything, I hear we have six tons of donuts that we hand out to kids every week. We can give them a sugar high, get them through the next 17 minutes. Right? The first thing they see is the website, which we're working on. The next thing they see is the campus, which is already beautiful. The next thing they see is the front door, which we put people at that door, it matters. But it's also us. And the next thing they see is the looks on your faces when they come. Now, the number one thing we need to be doing is pursuing. What, what can we do to pursue them. But when they come in, This text is making us understand. The book is making us understand. It's forcing us to think about the fact that we need to welcome people and make them know that they're welcome. Okay, so what's left? Another scripture. John 1, 43 to 46 It's not on your screen. You're just going to listen. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth. I don't name any town here. Um, That's like saying, he's like, this guy's from Monk's Corner. You're like, Monk's Corner? What are you talking about? Can anything good come from there? What did Nathanael say? Three words. Come and see. He didn't say, what are you, an idiot? He didn't say, "Um, well, forget you then. He didn't yell at him. He said three simple words, come and see. Come and see our church that has two different services. Come and see. Oh, look, you did, why did you do that? (laughs) Magic. I didn't remember telling you that. Okay, oh you, okay. The power of the internet and the computer. This guy's a champion. Um, Come and see our children's director who puts out posters and all kinds of stuff that we do with our children. Come and see our youth who are now in an awesome space that's got great lights. We had awesome brand new tiles in there. but We took brand new tiles out and put awesome Christmas lights in there in the youth hall. Come and see our fairly young dynamic minister, right? He's fun, he's interesting, he's humble, right? Come and see our worship services that matter. Our musicians who sing like it matters. Our traditional worship that is traditional and celebrates everything traditional. Come and see how we do communion. Come and see how we celebrate children outside. Come and see our CEP program. Come and see our concerts that are coming in November. Three simple words, come and see. Final quote of the day. People don't need to know the answers to all the questions of faith and life to invite someone to the church. They don't need to exaggerate or persuade or say more than is true. They simply and naturally find their own way of saying to acquaintances and those with whom they share common activities, come and see. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son who pursued us, who taught us, who proclaimed the good news to us, who healed us, who had compassion for us even when exhausted. Help us, Lord, to please be instruments of that pursuit so that people in this community will know that they matter and that this church matters and that your mission and will for this earth matters. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the affirmation found on the screen. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God, who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. We'll now take up our uh, tithes and other offerings. If you don't have something to give to Epworth today, I believe they'll do it for a month. Uh, So take that envelope home with you, bring it back next week.
1: Will you stand and sing with us?
2: Even before there was time Will you turn away Until you still Don't you know I've always loved you And I always will Greater love That's not a man Than the one who gives his life to prove that he would do anything, and that's what I want to do for you. Don't you know I've always loved you, even before there was time? Will you turn away until you steal it do you know I've always loved you, don't you know I've always loved you, even before there was time, though you turn away, I tell you still, don't you know I've always loved you, and I always will.
0: y'all aren't telling people to come to this church because this band, you're crazy. That's right. You're crazy. You need to tell them. Come and listen. They always do crazy stuff. They do different formations. It's fun. If you are a child and you drew a picture, make sure you bring it and leave it at the altar after worship. So grateful that you came today. So grateful that our Lord is a pursuing Lord. Now let us go and pursue others. Go forth in peace. The grace of our Lord, the love of our God, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you. Amen.
1: a blessed week.